Welcome to Overcome Podcast. In today's episode, I'm talking with Josh Bryant, the author of the Jailhouse Strong book series, among many other books, ISSA, Certify, Coach, and Former Powerlifter. Josh has tremendous experience in strength and conditional training and also mental toughness. So let's talk about all those subjects in today's episode. Josh Bryant, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for joining the Overcome podcast. Appreciate it, my friend. Thanks for having me on, Yuri. I appreciate it. Oh, it's. Uh, I was really looking forward to this because um, the whole intent of this podcast was really to help me to cope and also help other people that are going through some struggles uh, with injury right. and everything. But um, you have uh, a very interesting perspective on, on all that because I'm reading, I'm actually in Chapter 5, I think, of your Grounded in Gratitude, a Call to Action book. Uh, awesome. A lot of people know you for the Jailhouse uh, series, which are amazing series, and there's a lot of uh, great books out there. But I would say, if you have time, to check it out. Grounded in Gratitude is amazing. It's a really good book. Uh, lays down a, a different perspective, simple things that makes a big difference. And uh, you released that book in 2018, right? Right. Yeah, and one of the things that you emphasize a lot on that book, which uh, which is it was very important to me during this uh, rehab, and still is because I'm still in rehab mode, uh, is that when we are establishing our vision to what we want to achieve, um, we need to be careful even with the words that we use. And you give the the example of the of the trash can, right? Uh, right. You never say my trash, right? So I love that that example. <laughs> what is the yeah, rationale? What is the rationale behind that? Garbage. Yeah. What is the rationale behind that, Josh? Well, you don't claim you don't you don't claim ownership over garbage. You're gonna, you know, everybody people say things like my problem instead of the problem. You need this, you know. So you want to take ownership over good things, and then you know, obviously, you take out the trash, not take out my trash. You mm -hmm. know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anything positive. If you can like subconsciously say that you're taking ownership over it, anything that you don't want, you you know, it's kind of like you're um, you if you're like depersonalizing it. Mm -hmm. And you talk about a, a lot about visualization, and you gave uh, an example about someone that talked about visualization in 1940, something like that. I never heard of that reference, but it was very interesting because mm -hmm. I heard a lot of uh, visualization. Uh, from Tony Robbins, uh, he talks a lot about that. Uh, but it was sure. interesting that you brought someone that says that's like ages ago. Oh, it's been around forever. So, um, you know, the, I like to use the term now more. Um, if you notice in there too in the book, um, using the term more now, mental movies, mm -hmm. just yep. because I think it's a little more intensive and integrates all of your senses. Because if you're if you're saying visualization, all you're thinking about is a picture of it, but you want to really make yourself actually you know feel the experience ahead of time you know you can get to the point where you can taste it and like i mean for example when i was getting ready for a competition in powerlifting um i used to visual i used to do mental movies and that's when i kind of realized it wasn't a visualization is when i would play a mental move me of me squatting 900 mm -hmm. i could literally like smell this guy that i i trained with he used to chew tobacco always in the gym and you could smell it. And I like remember one day when I was in a mental movie, I could like smell that strong tobacco smell. So <laughs> wow, yeah, so, that's crazy. Wow, that's really deep thoughts. Uh, and, and 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 by doing that, you, you put yourself on that moment. So when you are living that moment, it's almost like deja vu. It's almost like, well, I've done that before, right? One hundred percent. And you've done that for for many of your PRs, for example. All of them. So. I did it before I knew it was a thing. So it was one of those deals where I was doing it already and I didn't know, I didn't have a name for it. Like I didn't know that this was like an actual thing. I thought it was sort of like a thing that, you know, normal people think you're crazy and kind of keep to yourself when I was in high school and stuff. And I do it before, you know, before I would, um, the initial, I threw the shot put. So what I used to do is I, I kind of realized there was something to this. When I'd look out, all my best throws, I'd look out in front. Most people just enter the back of the ring throw the shot put and leave. I'd always walk up to the front, 
look at a target I, you know I wanted to hit like just find a like if there's a, a random blade of grass in the sand I'm gonna hit that blade of grass with a shot put and you know it, it helped me throw a lot farther that way mm-hmm. I started doing it with other things and, and you know one time in high school when I was playing football we had a hip, hypnotist come into the um, our coach brought a hypnotist in before one of the practices and um, I was like playing linebacker and I visualized you know and actually kind of felt so it was a mental movie myself um, hitting somebody really hard and sitting in the hospital and at that practice um, there was somebody on the team that um, you know shouldn't have been on the team he didn't, he didn't go to the mm-hmm. summer workouts and stuff and and like he ran the ball and the, the tackle I was playing linebacker missed a block it was just me and him my helmet went right into his ribs and literally an ambulance came so I'm like alright oh wow or something too. So I like it also it. worked for the negative. Well, this is what I wanted to have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, the negative for him, I guess. But, yeah. um, um, wow, that's crazy. And, and, and it looks like you've been using this for a long time, since high school. And when it, did you actually discover that this was a thing? It was, uh, did you start researching more about it? I started researching more about it. I read a book called, um, there's a book called Psycho-Cybernetics. Have you read that before? No. I recommend reading it. And um, basically what happened was, um, I, w- I don't know what happened, but I was, like I always with sports and, and, and lifting weights, I always had the successful mindset and did these mental movies, but I don't think I had it for like the rest of the area of my life. And, and like with business particularly, with other areas I did, but not business. Like with sports, I was always confident. And um, you know, one day um, I was thinking like, you know, it would, like I'm, like I was thinking, like you know, it'd be cool if I could actually get paid what I'm worth to train people. And I like, said, kind of said that out loud to myself. I'm like, that sounds like such a loser victim mentality. I can't believe it. I'd never say that in a sport, you know. If this or that, I'm like, what am I doing here? So then, I don't know how I stumbled upon it. Uh, oh, I know what it was. I posted a video online or something right when all social media first started, like this, like 2009, and. Um, somehow I lifted a weight that, and I didn't know what the weight was and somebody wrote like oh that's psycho cybernetics oh, like, okay I'm wow. like, what is this and like it's a basically convincing yourself something okay so he wasn't exactly right in the definition but um, I went and got the, I went to um, and I got the book and um, I was not as much of a reader then but like I, you know I was starting to read a lot more and I, I devoured that book and I devoured it a few times and all of a sudden I went from like you know training people like it was like you know I'm, I'm doing pretty good okay to like I was turning away business in, in like a, a matter of a few weeks just from that book That's like crazy. I literally saw like everything I you know like it, to this day it's like you know I don't everything, everything that you envision it is actually start happening actually starts happening so it's one of those things of like it's powerful though see that's why i don't like go around setting like you know 150 goals somebody this or that if i'm gonna do something i'm gonna do it it's just you realize at that point it does take effort and a lot of work mm-hmm. but by doing that it, it like literally transformed and i started reading more and more i got certified in a thing called nlp do you know what that is? tony robbins started off in nlp do you know what that is mm-hmm. yep neurolinguistic programming and then um just started. Um, I, I started getting uh, one year for Christmas. My wife asked me what I wanted, and I usually don't want anything. But I'm like, I want, I want to get hip. I want to get hypnotherapy sessions, and wow. um, you know, go in there. And this guy was he's a really he's an older guy. He died like a year ago, and um, I was still going to, going to him when he moved on Skype like this. And he he um, was cool because mostly if you look at hypnotherapy or hypnotists, it, it's going to be more like people like, I want to, you know, stop smoking. Notice I say stop smoking, not quit smoking, because mm-hmm. quit, no one likes a quitter, right? So you don't want to tell yourself you're a quitter. Mm-hmm. You want to stop, stop excellent, smoking. Excellent. So you put there and like, you know, that's what it's all about is like, I want to stop using drugs or, you know, stop doing some unproductive habit. Mm-hmm. But this guy was all about, you know, taking to the next level. It wasn't like that. It was more like, okay, your life is good by society standards. How can you take it to the next level? And um, I studied with him, and he actually, before he died, was he agreed to mentor me. I was going to go out there like once a month for like two or three days to Denison, Texas, and 
stay out there and learn from him. But uh, he ended up he died at the beginning of this year, and learned a ton from him. His, his name was um, Will Smith, mm-hmm. and he wasn't famous or anything. Um, uh, he was gonna I, he was in the process of writing a book, but I don't know if he's family members or anybody alive that because I think I know he lived alone, so I don't know. I'd be very curious to read it because it'd be good information. But from him, I learned a lot and and just took it from there. Of like, it was cool to see what I'd always been doing. Had a lot of backing, a lot of science to do it, and and I actually broke a milestone with that today. As a matter of fact, um, this morning. So, do you know what um, float? You know what floating is like flotation therapy. I heard about. Okay, so I actually have a float tank here in my garage, and you uh, it's basically it's it's sensory deprivation so you go in this like dark it's like a mine's like a giant tent sort of thing um you go you lay in there it's an Eps- water with a ton of epsom salt you put like for instance 800 pounds of epsom salt in an area that's not too big mm-hmm. and you um go in there and you float and it's completely pitch black uh, you don't hear anything see anything and what it can do is like um, obviously like in, in wars and stuff in the past they've used this as a form of torture if you've stuck somebody in there for like day, you know hours and hours but if you do it for like a half hour hour at a time you can really like it's like you you experience um, you experience like time outside of like a time space relationship so it's really cool if you can like to like if you, it, you know you can like really start to you know visualize hallucinate I guess you can well <laughs> you know? it, it's funny that you say that because there is a, a a scene on the Stranger Things movie that is exactly mm-hmm. like that they put a lot of water uh, and Eleven gets there uh, to almost like meditate and go back to the for sure yeah so it's it's uh, very interesting and, and you do that like in your garage very dark yeah I do that in my garage and and um, I used to go to a place here in South Lake, but I just, I just got my own. So it, it saved a lot of time that way. And, um, it's really, it actually, it's really expensive to do too. If you, if you, so, I mean, you're going to pay a little, you know, more to buy something, but you don't have to keep paying up, you know, monthly or anything like that. So, um, that was real helpful. But anyways, a couple of the, um, like the meditations, visualizations, whatever you want to call them was, um, what were so like they've been so deep that like you, I don't know how to describe it but like your entire body goes like numb and it's like you're like floating through space or something and you're like experiencing this stuff it's so real and this morning I was doing a visualization a mental movie whatever you want to call it and I got that feeling not in the water that was the first time wow outside of the water it was that real it's is it probably if- felt really good to you when you found out about that that validate all the things that you were doing since high school because it was it was almost like a validation like well, I was sure. not really going crazy I had, there is actually a, a, a meaning in the uh, uh, science background that uh, back up this and, and the reason why I, I say that because you are one of those uh, trainers uh, coach uh, that is very strong on science. I mean, I, I read your books and you always have an ex- excellent background on sciences. So for you to be talking about this is because it is true. It is uh, really a thing. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. It's, it's one of those things of, I don't know on this particular subject where the science starts and stops exactly because it, I, the, the reason this might be like hard to like do a lot of, you know, there's a lot of studies on like say like so if someone imagines themselves doing free throws they and they don't practice they get better there's a ton of studies to back this so i'm not saying there's not there's a ton mm-hmm. um there's other ones about like you can um get your bicep stronger if you do a mental movie of your bicep contracting i mean so yeah look up mental movie or visualization is probably the term you'd want to use in like google scholar you can see stuff on this a lot of good science on it but then the flip side is a lot of this stuff's kind of difficult to measure fully scientifically because it has to be somebody that's like buying into it. It's one of those deals where, in my, I'm, I'm glad there is science to back it, but I don't think it works real well if you're not buying it. So if you like, you know, say for example, basketball, you want to do a mental moves yourself, doing free throws perfectly, or putting in golf, or something of that nature. But in your head, you thought this was all nonsense. It probably wouldn't. I mean, it'd be better than nothing, I'm sure, but it would not have the same effect. Yeah, you've got to believe. 
first of all, yeah. you gotta believe that's gonna is is gonna work. And that's it comes my next question. Did you ever use this method with one of your athletes that you train and you've seen results? Um, absolutely have. And um, you know, I've even hypnotized a few people. We've gotten results with it. Um, I'm actually certified hypnotist. I'm not like a practicing one or anything, so I don't like you know taking patients or anything like that. But um, 100%. So that's why I put a lot of this stuff out there. So you know, like the books and stuff, or like grounded in gratitude. There's you know stuff about mental movies in there. So if I'm working with somebody, give them the book, and they'll you know they can and if they want to pursue that, then we'll go deeper into it and absolutely help them with that. It, it helps a ton. Yeah, because you are big on posting results from your athletes that are reaching uh, the PR. So I thought to myself, well, for that person to reach uh, a PR and some of those athletes are remote and you are actually yeah. uh, working remotely with them. So you don't have really the face-to-face the -face interaction and everything. So a lot of things that they do is based on reading what you're writing to them and, and trusting the process and everything. So I would imagine that to read some of those PRs, they are implement some sort of a visualization at some point. Absolutely, there is, and, and, and 100%. And I'm, I need to start doing that a little more as I've made YouTube videos talking about it, but maybe I'm, I'm looking, looking to do some like tracks or something about to help people, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. where, where you would follow, like you just put on a track, lay down, download it and be able to, you know, follow a kind of guided deal. Because those are, those work really well too when you have some kind of guide you along of what to, you know, not exactly like what your goal should be, but like, you know, like when to breathe, relax, that kind of thing, get and all, all that stuff. And the other thing that you, it, it was very interesting to me on the book is that you also talk about um, the fact that if you start uh, feeling miserable, you're just going to continue to feel miserable no matter what because now you are on that uh, hole and it's hard to get out. And that happened to me actually right after the surgery. Uh, I The first two days were very painful. I had to take painkillers and everything. And I started going to that edge of depression because I was always constantly uh, thinking negative thoughts and, and, and it was hard to get out. I, I would imagine. Yeah. It's, it's, it's um, momentum. You either have it going positive or you have it, you, you know, you have it going, unfortunately it goes negative too. So like, just if you think about it, if, um, you know, no, you know, your day started off on the wrong side of the bed and, you know, you got in an argument with this person or that person and then it just usually spirals out of control. It's like a snowball. Where the other thing, you know, can happen too. If, if good things keep happening, it's like, oh man, I just hit no red lights the whole way there, and you know, just one after another kind of lucky thing happens. It definitely, there's momentum either way. Yeah, but if but, you, you get in that deep bad spot, man, it's gonna. It's hard. Everything. It's hard to get out. It's really hard to, hard get, to out. get out. Yeah, and but at the same time, it was interesting that uh, I think it was last week he wrote something. Uh, on your Facebook, uh, you posted a video uh, of of you uh, doing some exercise that actually was recorded last summer, according to what you said. But uh, you were talking about uh, the change in your training style that you <laughs> really not pushing the heavy anymore. But uh, for you sure. to realize that, you had to talk to someone with a, a coach, or I don't remember exactly who it was, to that person to give you that... Uh, spark on on the idea that you start. Oh, uh, now I realize what I'm missing, right? So, right. so so even someone like you with this high level of uh, self awareness and everything, you still need some sort of guidance sometimes. Absolutely. So yeah. what what it was the spark that he gave it to you that you were like, okay, I, I this that's, was that's why I'm not happy. <laughs> interesting. So um, it was Fred Hatfield, and he was kind of like the um. He wrote the book Bodybuilding, A Scientific Approach back in like 1980 or so, a long time ago. And then um, he also wrote Powerlift, Powerlifting, A Scientific Approach. And, and you know, he's the guy that mentored me. And um, he he just passed away like a couple years ago. And we were doing all these seminars together. We'd done about 25 seminars together. and But they were all, um, for the most part, in, in the U.S. And then all of a sudden, you know, we, we, we were on international calls me up say I gotta talk to you about doing a seminar out of the country I'm thinking you know like okay Quebec or something, Canada or something something easy right mm -hmm. he's like um, Okinawa and then mainland Japan I'm like oh wow okay and um, 
that's before I'd really start traveling outside the country very much with the exception of Canada and Mexico. And, um, cause I mean, going to Canada, it's like, you know, it's not that much different going to like New York or something. It's just easy yep. for even customs and stuff. You go right through. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was like, okay. And go over to Okinawa and it was like, I don't know what happened, but like I somehow slept about 45 minutes or, or something like that night and I couldn't get back to sleep. And, um, felt horrible i'm like man i'm like i'm gonna finish these seminars but the second this is over i'm 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 gonna change flights i'm gonna get out of here i can't i can't stay over here it's freaking me out and um he was like no 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 they have all these events planned that you it's rare it's considered rude to like leave and we're gonna like tour these mountains this and that and that's why they're doing all the seminars up front so the second that we're there for two weeks the second week is all like fun kind of thing of like not related to the seminars and he's like you need to go in your room he's like lay down and envision yourself like somebody else looking at you and see what happens just just be on the top of your ceiling and stare at yourself and I did and I felt like I was floating kind of like um, I was talking about earlier where I just mm-hmm. felt like, I was like mm-hmm. going through space or something and all of a sudden end up back asleep get a good night's sleep and felt great the next day woke up early in the morning I don't know what hit me I'm like I just kind of hiked off this military base and ended up at some mountain and just started sprinting up the hills by myself and like I I, I just knew what I had found is this I wanted to change training styles because um, I'm not doing powerlifting or bodybuilding I want to I want to train to be like more of a tactical athlete that's awesome it took you that moment to realize that yeah, and that's sort of like you said, he, he kind of like, he, he was really good because it wasn't like, you know, you need to do this, this, and this, and try this. It was more like he planted a seed, mm-hmm. and that seed just grew. And, and you said that this was like a couple years ago? No, how, how long it's, was that ago? Four, about four years ago. Okay, so when you, when you published uh, the, 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 that book, it was 2018, so you already had that experience. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, which makes sense, um, what you... you, you the way that you lay out the foundation of the the book, you always lay out on the gratitude. That's why the sure. book is called Grounded in Gratitude. And, and it is about perspective, right? Because when you start to put a lot of things in perspective, you start to realize that you you should be grateful for what you have. Uh, and that's happened to me as well because uh, I start to actually watching uh, a lot of... Uh, uh, documentaries around uh, athletes that uh, got hurt and how they came back and I saw that documentary about Alex Smith uh, quarterback and it was like game changing because that guy he was tremendous he was 19 surgeries and he was not complaining throughout the process he was always very grateful Um, his wife uh, said that uh, in the middle of uh, the moment that he almost lost his leg, mm-hmm. uh, he looked at her and said, there were a lot of people that that will, will be pleased to be in my place with all the things that we have. So it's all about perspective. So it's, it's unbelievable that the guy was almost losing his leg and thinking that way. Well, I, I noticed that. That's what um, one of the reasons I want to come on here. I noticed um, in your Facebook post, I liked your... Um, when you were talking about your experience coming over here from Brazil and like what you teach your kids, I, re- I really liked that. It resonated. I'm, I mean, I'm not from another country, but I liked your attitude. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it, it, for people that uh, are gifted to, to born in this place and, and don't understand how great they should be just to be part of this nation that gives so many opportunities to everyone, yeah. I mean, I'm truly blessed and grateful to, to just to be here. Uh, but uh, when you are in a tunnel, very dark tunnel, right after a, a major injury that you have to stop everything, things get really dark and it's hard to get oh, out. Sure. I'm not sure if you ever had this feeling of not feeling so grateful and, and because you were in that dark moment. And how did you do to get out of there? Did you ever Every- have this? So everybody does... Um- for sure. So it's just, you know, where you're, um, I think it was, um, Maxwell Maltz, the guy that wrote psycho cybernetics said like what they said, what's happiness. He said, having pleasant feelings most of the time, you know, and that's kind of like where you do gratitude is like, 
you should be grateful most of the time, but obviously everybody slips up. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, it's like, you know, you to like know, you know, you'd have to, you to experience, you know, you to experience, you know, hot, you have to know what cold is type of things. So I think there is probably that's with everybody. I think, um, and to pull yourself out, you just have to, you know, put it in perspective. Usually for me with any kind of setback, it's been to focus, um, on a different goal. So what I did, like, for instance, when, um, I did actually have elbow surgery and, um, what happened there was, um, I just, I just used that time to, to build my business. So it just, that's what always has helped me too, is, is to keep a dip, just to have a goal to focus on. That's, you know, besides gratitude, that's kind of like the main thing. If I've ever noticed a, t- a point in my life where I'm not happy, like, like kind of like you're saying in a dark spot, that's what it is. There's not a clear cut goal to focus on. Right. And that's another point that you raise in the book. Make sure that you have a very clear and well-defined goal and, and write it down the specifics to, mm-hmm. not, to not get uh, too blurry because there is a big difference between goal and vision, right? Vision is a little bit more blurry. I, w- I want to get there. A goal is more precise. Well, goal, and the thing you can do with that is also I've found is really, um, you know, write down why. You know, this is another one I learned from that that hypnotist is, um, you know, one time for a while I was having issues sleeping. So, um, talked to him and he says, most people said, what do you say to yourself? Why can't I get to sleep? I said, yeah. And he said, don't say that. Say, why do I need to get to sleep? And you say, okay, I need to be rested the next day. I need to do this. I need to do that. Then you mm-hmm. keep giving yourself reasons why. So if your goal is to make a million dollars, earn a million dollars next year, why do you want to do that? Do you just so you can look at your bank statements and, and that's going to make you feel good or is it you want to, you know, you want to like help families in need. You want to take vacations too. You want to spend more time with your son, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, that's what's going to help you achieve that goal. If, if it's more detailed of why you want to achieve that goal, you know, and then also, you know, if it was a goal before and you kind of think about it, you might say, okay, that maybe that's not the best goal because I don't have a good reason for achieving it type of thing. So, that's what I found helps a lot too is not only like you're saying a, a clear cut goal, but then figure out why you want to achieve that goal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from all the athletes that you train, uh, a lot of uh, successful athletes uh, in this uh, in, in powerlifting uh, mainly, the ones that you felt were able to achieve their goals as far as PR and or even competition wise were mm-hmm. the ones that were more um, were practicing more uh, those principles of gratitude and also visualization these type of things um, definitely visualization um, I think um, gratitude to an extent I don't know if that you know for like actual um, I've noticed that more in like the business world of people, you know, getting that way more, definitely being grateful for what you have, but at the same time, you know, it's balancing it with, they are hungry, constantly going for more, never satisfied type of thing. So mm-hmm. that it's a, it's a tough balance to walk right there. Well, in, in your opinion, when you are chasing a PR, uh, whatever it is, a squat or a bench press or a deadlift, of course, there is a lot of leverage uh, from from your know, strength building over time and everything, and, and the mechanics to get there. But there is also a powerful aspect of your mind to just sure. to acknowledge to say, "Yeah, I can lift that weight, right?" Uh, because if you get the bar and you defeat right in the beginning, say that's too heavy for me, that's that you're done. Well, yeah, and it's it's one of those things. It's absolutely, and that's how you get hurt. So. You know, that's like one thing I remember before I started playing football, my dad told me like, okay, here's what you need to know. He's like, the hardest hitters in football usually don't get hurt. I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, if you hit the hardest on the team, the odds of you getting hurt are like really low. And you'd think it's the opposite, but like, it's like when you like, you're like, oh crap, and you let up, that's when you get hurt. Same with powerlifting. If you're going for a max squat and you don't give it your all, that's when you're going to get hurt. So there's not only like telling yourself you can lift the weight, it's just if you if you lose that edge, it, it's very dangerous, very dangerous, and yeah. it takes a, it takes a different kind of 
all these sports of bodybuilding, powerlifting, you know, strong, they all take a different sort of mental toughness from one. It all takes mental toughness, but you know, like powerlifting, you really blow your workout if you don't hit certain weights you're supposed to hit. Mm-hmm. Or bodybuilding, if you're slightly off in that regard, but like you're prepping for a show and your nutrition was perfect, cardio was perfect, your sleep's perfect. I mean, and you, you know, you miss your last set of curls. That's not going to be the end of the world. You know, that's right, not that right, right. But then the, the the mentally tough part is staying your diet. You know, question. You know, that kind of thing, or, or like the cardio. So then, strongman, it's just um, you know, it's grueling. It's like one of those things of okay. You know, you're like these events can take like a minute long, which doesn't sound super long, but when you're talking about like maximum intensity, Mm -hmm. insane. Like, okay, I'm gonna load this sandbag over something 40 inches high as many times as I can in a minute. I don't, I'm gonna shape you, and that's like crazy tiring. So, but it's heavy too. It's not just like, you know, you're running a 5K or something, it's really heavy. So, like, all these sports require like a different sort of mental toughness for sure and mindset yeah because i remember when i was uh, pulling a truck for the first time at the destination it was already scared because it was a truck i never done that before so there was i was very skeptical and uh <laughs> it, it was not really good pull i did but it was not really good the second time i i just i started with a different mindset i was i i thought to myself i'm gonna do it fast I'm gonna get this as fast as I can. So it was not more about the weight; it was more about achieving the the speed sure. and get there. And I noticed that the pull was way easier. And I mean, not way easier than the first one. It was not easy, but easier than the first one. The experience was way more pleased. And the only change was my mindset. Yeah, and that, that's huge because you're right. That is, you know, if you start to really think about all that's going into it, it would be kind of crazy. Like. If you fall down and he didn't hit the brakes right away, I mean, you're you're, you're not going to be a good spot. Yeah, yeah. Same thing happened uh, before. I remember the first time that I hit 500 on that lift. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg was helping me, and he was yelling, screaming, yelling at me. And yeah. somehow that helped so much. Uh, just that momentum that he was like, come on, come on, screaming. Yeah, uh, because that goes to your mind. If you are in a silent, if you are silent, no one is actually rooting for you. And you start lifting, and you just feel a little bit uncomfortable. You're gonna drop the bar, you know. You're yeah, gonna keep sure. pushing. So that's why I think that's uh, the the whole psychological aspect in lifting is tremendous. Absolutely, hundred percent. But but you today, you you're not working out uh, for powerlifting or strongman or anything. But you you change to some very challenging uh, workouts. I've seen some of the workout, the sprint. Uh, and, and um, even some strongman, you're still doing throwing yeah. throwing those uh, kettlebells uh, really high and everything. You're still pushing uh, some of your limits just in a different aspect, right? Right. So what I did was um, I told you about that time in in Japan, and then um, it I started. Um, people were seeing it online, and um, people from the military and law enforcement started contacting me quite a bit. To, to work with them and it wasn't like um, I was like doing it to like all right I got a new business plan so I need to start doing this to you know to make it look you know to show everybody I know what I'm talking about type of thing and they okay so they that's what type of call it tactical strength conditioning so from there I started working with all these people and um, you know and it, it just kind of evolved from there and what was interesting about it is I put together a course for um, ISSA the personal training certification mm-hmm. and it's on tactical strength conditioning and when I'm writing this I'm like you know this is exactly you know I'm writing this for that audience but yep, this is yep. exactly how I want to train so like I didn't necessarily when I first started it have a term for it like that mm-hmm. but it's exactly I want to be you know basically build a move like I'm 50 pounds lighter but have the strength speed and endurance of, or excuse me have the strength someone 50 pounds heavier strength speed and endurance of somebody 50 pounds lighter was the objective from all the books, because you're talking about a lot of principles just now, but from all the, of the books that you publish, w- would it be the Speed Strong uh, the closest one to that principle? I would say Speed Strong or Tactical Strong, man. Okay, because the Speed Strong uh, seems like it's doing exactly what you just said the, uh, from looking at the yeah. chapters here, right? You could do it also there um, in the Tactical Strong, man. 
there's a, a program in there called um, Tactical PHA Training. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be the other one you can make an object. You know, if you had to choose like one style, like say you didn't, you only work out a few times a week, it'd be that. So it'd be one of those two books right there. Yeah. So, for example, for for me, when I'm back and training uh, for jujitsu competitions, I think that the Speed Strong would be the best one to me. Don't you think? Well, for jujitsu, you got a few choices there. You could look up that one, um, Grapple Strong. Grapple which Strong, is, yeah. And then, um, then also um, again, the ta- the tactical strongman one I think's um, one of the best for if you're like, for, especially for someone like you that's um, doing. Um, jiu-jitsu because your, your strike's already a lot higher than everybody else's so you don't need to be like doing at the speed as much if you had like some of the tactical strongman work you could do it a couple times a week mm. and be ready to go because i think if you're you know how much how much were you deadlifting before you got injured uh 500 yeah so i mean you're and um you're like uh, you you probably don't really go against people stronger than you right very often if at all uh not very much to be honest uh, well, my, I'm on a super heavy uh, division, uh, master division, which which means between yeah. 40 and 45. Um, so usually, what's super heavyweight go up to? Super heavyweight I mean, is open, right? It's, uh, it's from from 222 pounds uh, until 300, whatever the weight you have. I I am going to super heavy. Super heavy is up to 22, and then you have the ultra heavy. With the ultra heavy, there's no weight limit. Okay. Uh, so I go super heavy because then I don't need to cut a lot. I can wait in because you wait in on jujitsu on the day of the competition. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I wait in with the gi. That's gotta be up uh, up to 222, and and I can make that weight easy with all the discipline from bodybuilding. Cutting weight is not is not a, a big problem to me. Uh, I just need to find the this because i like to live heavy and that's just me i love it right uh but it's counterproductive if you lift heavy all the time and then you train jujitsu it's just not really a good combo um you need speed you need speed and you need flexibility that's why i was wondering from all those books which ones are are the the best one so that you i'd say of any of those three speed strong um grapple strong or um the um, Ta- tactical strongman. Strong. Yeah, the grapple strong. Um, for you, you probably don't need all that stuff in there just because it, it. You know, you for you, you're you're in a different situation than most people. Most people are kind of a lot of them are the opposite. Not as much with grappling, but especially with like you get into striking, like they need a lot of strength work because like they haven't like been. Li- I mean, if you go to, like a boxing gym or say, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't even lift. So like you can make them really a lot better at boxing. By almost doing powerlifting because they have no strength. Which and someone like like you would be the dumbest thing in the world because <laughs> you know you're already w- way stronger than everybody else. So if you wasted you know valuable energy and time right. trying to like you're not going to beat more people because you deadlift six fifty instead of five fifty probably. Right, exactly. You know so. And what is the principle behind tactical strongman? What what first of all why is called tactical strongman? Okay, so the tactical strongman is called, you know, tactical serves two words. One, like for tactical athletes, so like police and military, because that's, this is basically the way, like I described earlier, you know, 50 pounds lighter, um, 50 pounds heavier principles, that's the way they should be training. Now, there's a lot of idiocy, a lot of times in departments and, and things that were like, you know, they're, like for instance, um, on the um, you know, like like to, to get onto like the Fort Worth gang unit mm-hmm. or some, or one of those things can be like the they're they make their mile and a half time, which you're never actually gonna run that far, wh- like faster than it needs to be. So like, it might keep people out, mm-hmm. but they make their 300 yard, which is generally the furthest in law enforcement. On the survey, I did a bunch of surveys for my course. That's about the farthest you're probably gonna have to run in your whole career. Usually, it's yeah. like 50 yards or less, but. The most of them, you know, like a half of them people have gone up to like 300 yards. Point being, that's too slow. I mean, their time's too slow in that. That's a realistic distance, and you only got to do it in 60 seconds to get on the gang unit. I mean, like that's pretty damn slow for that for that far. So, it um, the, the, this is like the way they should be training, and for that, so that there's that tactical part. Then it's also tactical for tactics to use for strongman training. So it has different parts of like. 
part of the book's focus on, okay, strongman competition. What do you need to do to get into competition? How do you need to train for competition? Versus then other parts are like programs aimed at like, you know, a tactical athlete or, you know, to work for somebody in jiu-jitsu or wrestling or something. How can you use these principles to aid you in that quest versus training for a contest? It's different. Right. Just Because, I mean, think about it. Even like for for a tactical athlete, like, you know, a large part of it could be even like you know, for some of them, it's going to be muscle hypertrophy because like you don't need to be like a bodybuilder, but you use some bodybuilding principles just for the sake of like if you're – um you know, look muscular, you command a situation as a cop more easily than if you don't. Mm-hmm. You can diffuse a lot of situations not knowing a single thing about fighting or or anything just by if you got the look. Right. You know, so it's almost like the same principle of gas station ready. <laughs> exactly. Why why, you know, especially if you're a cop, you don't want to go to that level. All it can there's no it's a no win. You're either gonna either do your job and you know risk something bad happening or you know it's excessive force or something because it'd be very you know that's a tough situation to get into where they have to you know restrain somebody but it's not like me if me or you get attacked we can go all out to defend ourselves at that point they can't they they have to you know it's excessive force or, or whatever mm-hmm. and i mean I, i don't know how i'd be very hard to operate at that kind of like all right I'm going just hard enough not to hurt you too bad. You know, that, that would be right. Different. And I remember Ron Coleman told him, to, uh, talking about this because when <laughs> Ron Coleman was on the police, yeah. he said, well, nobody really messed with me. I don't know why. Of course, he was joking, right? I mean, just the size of the guy as when he was a police officer was gigantic. So he already had that visual uh, sure. way to stop people from doing uh, bad things. And he's also... Um, Badass linebacker at Grambling State uh, before that, so he's he's actually athletic too. Yeah, and, he, and I'm not sure about his speed, but yeah, he was definitely athletic. Uh, and he is a a great example. I I during the the time that I was um, in bed all the time, I watch uh, his documentary on Netflix uh, because I was with crunches uh, all day long, couldn't yeah. walk. And when I saw him on, on that uh, uh, situation and how positive he still was after all those surgeries. Yeah. I'm like, how can I be so, you know, idiot to be complaining about my situation? Look at that guy. I mean, that guy was the the, the best bodybuilder of all time. Now he is that way, and he's still grateful. He's still laughing and doing what he can do. You're right. He's, he, Ronnie Coleman... That's one thing you gotta admire, but he's not like the person that based his self-worth on like being big. Like, yeah, he loves bodybuilding and stuff, but he's not like, you know, I've seen him, you know, at the gym, you know, right after surgery, looks like he hasn't worked out in a long time. He's just as happy as when, you know, he's training for the Olympia. Wow. That's amazing. That's yeah, amazing. he definitely, um, yeah, a lot of the best bodybuilders, when, when even after they stop, They don't seem like, you know, the, the the ones I've known that have been real successful didn't play. Like even like, you know, Branch Warren, you know, he's not like, uh, like I'm, you know, I'm as big, he's obviously not as big as he was at one time, but he didn't base his self-worth off of how big he was. He's got like, you know, other ventures and things going. Yeah, it's a, that's very interesting because it's uh, some, some people, they build that identity uh, mm-hmm. on that frame, on that uh, a size And when they lose that size, they just hide, right? Oh, for sure. It, it was sad. Like um, when I was in high school, um, I worked at a gym and there's a lot of bodybuilders. You'd see like, you know, guys when they're getting their 50s and stuff were trying to like kind of hold on and like live to what they do. So like if they used to, you know, say do hammer curls of 75 pounds or something, they're all of a sudden, you know, just doing like a basically a power clean to get the weight up because they used to do that type of thing mm-hmm. and like hobble in the gym and stuff. So you definitely not, not a good, good place to be in. Yeah, that, that's true. That's true. But, but there is also, again, there is all the, the, the mental aspect of it sure. because they, they somehow, they just build that identity and they cannot really get rid of that identity. And, and age comes to everyone, man. Uh, the, the reality is with time, you're not going to be able to lift that heavy anymore. It's just a fact. Yeah, they're gonna um, definitely. Um, yeah, so like I've, I've seen it, you know, a number of different ways. Like a lot of older people that have done real well lifting, like you know, some real strong guys that are older, but they 
it's funny you say that because the ones that like Ode Hagen and stuff, the one that guys competing in the world's strongest man up to like 60 years old, he didn't, he did have other ventures. He was successful outside the gym. It wasn't like I'm a strong man and like, you know, this is all I got. So don't take it away from me. It's like, no, if this, if I break my leg and you know, in a wheelchair, I got all these businesses and other things going and I'll just move on to that. Mm-hmm. You know? So I think that's the thing is a lot of these guys put their, all their eggs in one basket that basket breaks, you know, instead of having something else just to, you know, fall into, they're kind of like in this, you know, warped headspace. Yeah, it comes back to what you you reflect on that Facebook post. Yeah, you need to find happiness again, and sometimes you will find happiness doing something different. It's still involved with physical activity because it's part sure. of your life. But uh, I was surprised when I saw you running those hills. I was like, man, this guy is fast. <laughs> I was not expecting that. <laughs> it took a long time to build up to that. So it took like, um, I mean, I was doing, you know, it took, it's taken a few years to build up to that. So it just kind of like slowly progressed it, progressed it, progressed it. Then before I knew it, I, you know, I was running real fast. Did you dro drop some weight to run that fast or you kept the same weight? Um, I dropped a little bit of weight to to to, to run that fast, but um, I um, I don't think that wasn't so much it. It was more just um, getting like I got to the point where I could tell I had gotten that fast, but then I had to still build up a little more before I could actually express it. What I mean by that is like my hamstrings and stuff weren't ready to run that fast. And the reason I ask about the weight is because I'm thinking more about the knees, right? Because since I was obese before, I, mm -hmm. I, I lost 100 pounds. And when I was 100 pounds heavier, my knees were destroyed. I just couldn't run, right? So that's why I, I, I asked you. I asked well, you, you... also with, with that is um, when you're doing like real sprints, so not like, I mean, a lot of people think a sprint is like, you know, just kind of moving faster than jogging. But like a sprint, like you're moving as fast as you can, you know, you start calculating the distance, it's not that far you're going. Like, even if you do multiple reps, like... It's like 100 meters, isn't it? Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So if you do, um, if you went out there and did 10 40-yard sprints and you went all out, that'd be a really tough workout mm. if you really went all out, okay? So that's 400 yards total, like you just said, where if you're doing jogging, you know, you get to the point where... You're going five, ten miles. You know, ten miles is pretty far, but you, a lot, most people get up there doing five miles. You know, without, you know, pretty quickly. So, like, that's a lot of mileage. I mean, that's you're looking at, you know, five, you know, over five thousand yards, and more closer to ten thousand yards. You're doing versus four hundred. So, even though you're moving faster, you're not doing like that much volume. So it's not so uh, hurtful in your knees uh, because it's no. fast. Yeah. It could be for some people. It hasn't been for me, but I'm saying that's sort of like if you're otherwise healthy, like you're not having problems, that's how you kind of get away with it is that. And then you can also, um, you know, one I like to do also is I do it part of the year when I'm doing the sprints. Like right now I'm taking a break from them. I'll start them. I like to do them when they're warmer. I'm just getting a little paranoid about um, when it's cold about getting injured and because, you know, you have to warm up a lot longer and things like that. Mm -hmm. So. One I like to do also is the sand. They have um, you live in Keller, right? Yep. Yeah, they have a, the Bear Creek Park. Yep, I know. It's awesome park. Yeah, that's an awesome park, and they have they have um, they have sand there. They have um, sand in another park in Grapevine. I forget what it was called. And they have the sand in that park in Colleyville too. So there's a lot of places it can be sand. You, you know, then also you want to be really be um, aware of what surface you're on. So fortunately for us in this area, we have a ton of. Um, good tracks you can yep. use open to the public i did a, i did a something like that when i was uh, like three years ago when i went to brazil on vacation i was uh training uh at the beach so i was running at the beach uh um which is it's pretty tough uh because the center is pretty soft um it really it really tough uh on on your quads start to burn really fast easy on your joints so it's nice yeah yeah Uh, and also talking about sprinters, uh, you look to the body composition of sprinters. I, the, when I when it comes to a sprint, the first person that I remember is Ben Johnson. How gigantic he was, mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, how fast he was uh, on 100 meters is is unbelievable. Yeah, he, he's unbelievable, especially the first. Yeah, 
short distances, he's he's un, he was unbeatable. Did did you when you start building up that speed? Uh, did you did flat first, and then you start incorporating the heels? Because I noticed that you also have a lot of training uh, doing sprints uh, uphill, which is pretty tough. Uh, so I'm assuming that you first start flat, and then no, you want to actually go the opposite if you if you hadn't been sprinting. Because the nice thing about going up the hill is it um, it's you're not going quite as fast. Like your turnover turnover is a little bit slower and things like that because you're going up a hill. It's like resistance, hmm. so it's safer. Like you're way less likely to like tear a hamstring or something go up a hill because you simply are you're getting resistance from the hill, mm. so your turnovers aren't as fast. That so it can get really. That's so, what I said before. So you start you start go, you start with the hill and then you went flat. Yep, and then went to flat sand and then flat. Nice. So and, it, and the only reason awkward. the only reason you stopped during the the winter is because of uh, afraid of injury. Uh, the what now? The winter? The yeah. Something different for one, so I'm not like overuse and all that thing, and then also, um, also just it, it takes a lot longer to warm up and like when you have to recover between sets and things like that, it can be, you know, I just don't want to get, I really don't want to get injured in my whole life. I've um, only jacked at my hamstring once, and it was sprinting in the winter time, and I've been pretty paranoid since then. Yeah, makes sense. Well, Josh, you have so much knowledge uh, to share. Uh, the, the time went by really fast. I just want to say thank you very much for taking the time of your busy day to, to share some wisdom. Uh, and I'm loving the book. I actually got in Audible, which is pretty nice because I can oh, listen, yeah. I can listen uh, while I'm doing my Stairmaster. And that's what I usually do. Um, so I will say if you could bo put more books in Audible, it would be nice. <laughs> the only reason some of the training ones aren't is because of charts oh okay so like when you put a training program you know, like squats you know say like you know five sets of five you know rest 120 seconds blah 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 it like yeah with all the book that's weird yeah yeah it's weird on audible so i gotta figure out a way around that otherwise they'd all be on there yeah audible is great i i really enjoy and since i have a subscription i can just with one click get get the book and and start listening right away perfect yeah, that book is great, uh, but I'm going to make sure to get the other ones uh, on probably on Kindle um, because they are available on Kindle Unlimited, which is also pretty cool. Yeah. you would. How does that work? You get like one a month or something? Uh, it's a subscription base. Um, I you get more than one a month. I think that it depends on the uh, on the on the plan, but I think it's more yeah. than one a month. Yeah. Oh. All right, my friend, thank you very much uh, for your time. Uh, thanks for uh, sharing everything and uh, keep up the great work. Uh, a lot of people look after you and the things that you do. Thanks, Yuri. I appreciate you having me on.